Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Here, heard about Michael Packard? He's a he's a commercial. He's a he's a fisherman uh, off of uh, a Cape Cod. On June 11th, this last summer, he was uh, lobster diving, and he got trapped in the mouth of a humpback whale. What? Yes. Yes. He was just minding his own business, and all of a sudden, whoop, he just, just felt this enclosure. Everything went dark, and, and, uh, and he was struggling. It took him a while to figure out what was going on. He said, oh, my God, I think I've just been swallowed by a whale. Well, he didn't get swallowed, but, uh, uh, but he was panicking. He, going, oh. he says, this is how I'm going to die? You know, maybe I've got 30 minutes left of air in my tanks. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, if, I, don't want the, the, I don't want the whale to go deeper uh, or, or, you know, take off. They're big animals. They swim fast. So he's trying, to, he's trying to figure out what to do. And, uh, uh, and, and all of a sudden, he, 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 you know, he feels himself going, going up. And as the as the whale, the whale evidently wasn't pleased <laughs> to have Michael in his mouth, and so uh, 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 of course the guy up on on top side who has no idea what's going on, uh, the the guy in the boat is just following his air bubbles, and uh, and and all of a sudden this whale broaches and just the, the white water's just thrashing around and and. Uh, and the, and the whale throws Michael out of his mouth. And the guy on the boat said all he could see, he looked like, like these little frog legs, you know, the, the, with the flippers uh, being thrown out and, and landed on the, on, the, on the water, and the whale swam away. <laughs> and, and all Michael could think is, I'm alive. I, I, you know, I... I, I don't feel any cuts or, or cuts or bruises. They, they they dragged him up. He had some he had some ligament damage. I mean the the jaws of a of a humpback whale are not insignificant. I mean he could have been crushed. He says this could have been the end of my life, but it wasn't. I lived to tell the tale. You could say literally during that experience he was a little down in the mouth. I'll be here all week. Uh, to borrow a to borrow a line from my friend, <laughs> we think about the story of Jonah, and how many people have said, "If you have your Bibles open, we're going to go there today. We're in the second chapter of Jonah." People talk about uh, uh, about the book of Jonah, and they say, "Well, you know what? It's just a it's just a fairy tale. It's just a." Uh, a literary device. Uh, it, it didn't really happen. And the reason why they think it, couldn't, it didn't really happen is because nobody could be swallowed by a whale or a large fish and, and be in that thing for three days and, and, and live. Could, it, just, it just couldn't happen. Uh, and really, really, when somebody says that, what they're really saying is, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe miracles happen. 
The stuff in the Bible, I don't believe it. I'm going to tell you right now, I do believe it. I believe in miracles. I believe. I have seen God do miracles in my life, in the life of this congregation, in our community in the past. So just let me, let me state that right off the bat. Some people say, no, no, it's not. It's a, it's a parable. Like, you know, Jesus told parables, like uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son. That's what this is. The, the, the difference is that when Jesus told a parable, he never mentioned names. He never mentioned names. Whenever he talked about, whenever he mentioned a name, he was talking about a real person. And so when we look at the text here, it starts off right off the bat saying, you know, in chapter 1, you, you heard this last week, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the, the son of Amittai. And we can read about Jonah in, in, uh, in 2 Kings. Now, I'm more than willing to grant to you this is a pretty extreme example of God working, but I believe in a miracle-working God. And, and I was mindful of Jesus' statements about, uh, about this narrative in, uh, in, in Matthew. Listen to this. Uh, this. I'm reading to you now. We'll get to Jonah. I'll be in chapter 2. Trust me. Uh, and I'm watching the clock. I know. Uh, I'm watching it. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> then some of the Pharisees, uh, this is chapter 12 of Jonah. Some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. And Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will stand up in judgment against this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. That's a little spoiler alert. They repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one Greater than Jonah is here. If, that, if, if, if this narrative in the Old Testament about Jonah were not true, well then, what is Jesus saying? He, he's, he's, no, he's, this happened. So, so which, which begs the question, Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days, was he alive for three days or did he die? Did he die when that fish swallowed him? What's, what's, what's a greater miracle? That God could raise somebody from the dead or keep somebody alive in a fish for three days? You decide for yourself. I don't think it matters. I think it was a miracle. And what was Jonah doing? Was he running from God? No. I don't think so. I think he was running from God's will. I think he was running from obedience. Because when asked on that ship, who are you? Well, you know, I, I worship the, 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 the one true and living God. And, and they all freak out. Well, stop. 
Stop running away. He told them that this was because of him. And so they, you know, they throw him overboard and, and, and all that happens and, and the seas calm immediately. And that was Jonah telling him, you know, just throw me overboard. It's important for later. Throw me overboard and everything will be fine. And they do. And it was. And uh, the first chapter closes with the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Well, there's a nice visual. So what does Jonah do? He prays. Jonah prays. When he finds himself down in the mouth, he prays. When everything seems to be closing in on him, when it all seems to be over, he prays. What do we do? You prayed. You fell down a mountain, and you prayed. Here you are today. Don't climb a mountain. What? Amen. Amen. How often do we... Do we just cave when we, when we experience some kind, of a, some kind of a pressure or when life is closing in us, when we, be, when we feel like we're being swallowed by circumstances? Do we just say, oh, gosh, darn it, no, I, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. But when we are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, at the very last resort, I think we do the same thing that Jonah did. We pray. We pray. My only question is, why does it take us so long to get there? Pride, pride. yeah, pride, arrogance, hubris. Uh, you know what? I, 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 but I also think uh, uh, defeat, uh, just a sense of defeat. Gosh, I guess I'm really not as smart as I thought I was. I guess I deserve this. God is punishing me for something that I've done. You know, that's bad theology, don't you? That's bad theology because all of our sin is covered on the cross. All of it. Not 99.9%, .9 but all of it. So, 
So Jonah prays, and that's a good lesson for us. We, we pray. What, what, is the, what are the themes? What are the themes up to this point in, in, the, in the book of Jonah? First and foremost is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is in control of absolutely everything. The sooner we recognize that and get on board with that truth, the better our life will be. When we live our life within God's will, as defined by his word, confirmed through his Holy Spirit, life just works better. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have hardship. It doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses. But it does mean that nothing, we can stand on that promise, that nothing will separate us. God says, I will be with you through thick and thin. So Jonah is running from God's will in his life. He's running from from obedience to the Lord. Uh, uh, He says, throw me into the drink. They do. And inside that fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, this is for us. I want you to know, look at that, verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. If you take away nothing else today, take that as gospel. When you are in a situation that is is, is stressful or when you feel distressed, you call out to the Lord. He will answer you. He will hear you. That's a promise that you can stand on. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. And now we hear Jonah's prayer. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I love that. If I were going to take away anything from that, I would take four words. I called, you listened. Jonah is talking to God. I called, you listened. Now, here's the thing that I find amazing. As you go through this prayer... There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different references in the rest of this prayer taken right out of the book of Psalms. Now, how do you think Jonah had access to those references from the book of Psalms? Do you think when he was swallowed by that whale that he pulled out his little Old Testament? Of course, it wasn't the Old Testament then. It was just the scriptures. And, and, you know, maybe he had a little light on his forehead or one of those little glow-in-the-dark fishes that could help him read. Oh, my gosh, where? It's, it's here somewhere. It's, it, I'll find it. I'll find it. Just give me a second. Give me a second. He knew scripture. He knew scripture. And I've said before that, that the book of Psalms really is a prayer manual. Psalms teaches us how to pray. You will not, you will encounter every emotion that you could possibly experience in the, in the pages of Psalms. And it teaches you, it gives you a language. You should do more than just read the Psalms. You should pray the Psalms. That's what Jonah is doing. From uh, uh, Psalm 3, Psalm 120, 88, 42, hike, uh, 31, 69, uh, again with 31, 50. Uh, He starts with Psalm 3, he ends with Psalm 3. It's amazing. But listen to what he says as he's quoting these verses from Psalms. You hurled me into the deep. Wait, 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 wait. I thought it was the guys on top of the ship that hurled him into the deep. See, he recognizes at that point that these guys are just doing what the Lord has called them to do, that ultimately God was in charge of these people who were on the ship. 
You did this, Lord. You hurled me into the very heart of the sea, and the currents swept around me. All your waves uh, 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 and, and, and breakers swept over me. I had been banished from your sight. So in this prayer, Jonah is acknowledging the absolute sovereignty of God, that God is in control. That's what this prayer is about. It's about God being in control. God is in control then. God is in control now. Never forget that. And I love this in the fourth verse. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The grace and mercy of God in Jonah's life gave him hope. It was the grace and mercy of God in Jonah's life that gave him hope in the midst of probably the worst experience in his life. He had the wherewithal to look to the holy temple, to look to the Lord. And the Lord brought him up out of the pit. Oh, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, and my prayers rose up to you and to your temple. And that's really the end of the prayer. But... He gives us a couple of closing comments. Uh, and the last uh, uh, verses 8 and 9, this is a pretty concise definition of the gospel. John Mosier identified that yesterday morning with the Bagel Boys. Listen to this. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Hear that again. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What are worthless idols in our lives today, people? Anything, absolutely anything that gets in the way between you and your relationship with God. Sometimes it is pride. Sometimes, sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's just power. Sometimes it's an addiction. Those who cling to worthless idols, if your hope is coming from anything other than the Lord, you're clinging on to a worthless idol. They forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of, of, a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. I, what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. When I read that, I'm thinking, oh, what? With a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. I was immediately drawn back to our time in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews. And in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, the author writes this. Through Jesus Christ, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifices please God. When I look at these verses, I can't help but think about our current age, our current day. And, and I, oh, oh, man. I think we're being swallowed by our culture today. And I think it's time for the church to cry out to God and say, Lord, we need help. 
because we can't fight this on our own. Do, do, do any of you know who, who, uh, who Barry Weiss is? Yeah, Barry Weiss, uh, uh, she's a journalist. Uh, she was with the New York Times. She quit because uh, um, of the stories that they weren't letting her write about. And, and she wrote an article, and I wanted to read sections of it to you uh, today, but we're, we're running out of time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, on my Word on Wednesday, I'll put a link to this article. The title of the article is, We Got Here Because of Cowardice. We Get Out with Courage. Say no to the woke revolution. Let me just read a section of this. A lot of people want to convince you that you need a PhD or a law degree or dozens of hours of free time to read dense texts about critical theory to understand the woke movement and its worldview. You do not. You need only to believe your own eyes. I'll skip some stuff. Ideas are replaced with identity. Forgiveness is replaced with punishment. Debate is replaced with deplatforming. Diversity is replaced with homogeneity of thought, inclusion with exclusion. This, in this ideology, speech is violence, but violence when carried out by the right people in the pursuit of a just cause is not violence at all. In this ideology, bullying is wrong unless you are bullying the right people in which it is very, very good. In this ideology, education is not about teaching people how to think it's about re-educating them into what to think. In this ideology, the need to feel safe triumphs the need to speak truthfully. In this ideology, if you do not tweet the right tweet or share the right slogan, your whole life can be ruined. Just ask Tiffany Riley, a Vermont school principal who was fired. Fired because she said that she supports black lives, but not the organization Black Lives Matter. This ideology... Uh, uh, in this ideology, the past cannot be understood on its own terms, but must be judged through the morals and the, and the mores of the present. And this is why statues of Grant and Washington are being torn down. And while, why uh, William Paris, a UCLA lecturer and an Air Force uh, veteran, was investigated for reading Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail out loud in a class. In this ideology, intentions don't matter. That's why Emmanuel Cafferty, an Hispanic utility worker at the San Diego Gas and Electric, was fired for when, when someone thought he was making a white supremacist hand gesture when, in fact, he was cracking his knuckles out of his car window. It goes on and on and on. People, it, it, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to realize and to understand that our culture is swallowing and the darkness is all around us. And, and you can sit there and you can panic and you can say, woe is me, or you can turn to the Lord and you can cry out in prayer. And you can say, Lord, we need you. In Christ, we recognize that there is no male or female. In Christ, we recognize that there is no free or slave. In Christ, we recognize that there is no Jew or Gentile. We recognize that in Christ, we are created in your image. And we are created with essential dignity. Common sense has become the least common of the senses. And there is a self-censoring 
that is now going on within our society. And, and, it, and it is becoming more and more pervasive because of a few people who spoke out. And so there's fear. And perfect love casts out all fear. Oh, we have work to do. Yes, there are injustices that we can still fight for. But we need to fight for those injustices with biblical justice. And the only way we can fight for biblical justice is if we know our Bibles. We cannot rely on one hour on Sunday morning or one hour on a Tuesday night or a Saturday morning. We need to be in the Word daily. Here's a question that I would ask you, and then I'll close. Four minutes after 10. When you're in that dark place and there is no light, what scriptures come to mind? What scriptures can you pray? Which of God's words have been buried in your heart? Because when it all comes down to it, that's what really matters. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Michael, Michael Packard, who had this ordeal with the, with the whale uh, uh, back in June, of just June of this year, he's already being accused of being a liar and making up the story, uh, which just boggles my mind. Uh, how long did it take after Jonah before Jonah, people started saying to Jonah, uh, well, this may or may not have happened. You, you, uh, uh, but what did happen, and I don't know about, about Michael Packard, but what did happen for Jonah is that he got back on task. Uh, and, and he made a difference. Uh, and we'll learn more about that, but you've got to come back next week to, to, to hear uh, that, part of the, that part of the story. God is not through with us, people. God is not through with us. When we feel like we're being swallowed, that's the time when we need to double down in our prayers and reach out to the Lord. Recognizing there is a ton of work to do. God has called us to be agents of change, brokers of reconciliation, messengers of hope and grace. That's what the gospel offers the world. That is a message that is never out of style. And people are dying to hear it. Let us find our voice. But to find our voice, we first need to reach out to God in prayer. My friends, let's take off the blinders that we might cry out to the Lord and see the world as it is that we might move forward for His glory and honor My friends, that is kingdom living at its best.